you'd be crazy so right now there's more buying the dip than ever seen before a new record for 2021 and we know the person that's buying the dip is rick astley and he's not gonna let us down <laughs> Hello there from Bedford in the United Kingdom. How are you all doing? Did you have a good weekend? Bitcoin, it's back over 55k. It looks like we are winding up for another leg up. Are you ready? Also, seems like a lot of you enjoyed the show I made last week with American Hoddle and Phil Geiger. I'm looking forward to making more shows with Hoddle, with our Bitcoin rehab. Anyway, listen, welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by the mighty Kraken, the best place to buy, sell, and trade Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and today I've got Willie Wu back on the show. I know you're all going to be excited about this, and we're going to be discussing how to spot the end of a bull market and how the hell you trade that. But before we get into that, I do have a message from my amazing show sponsors. Okay, today we're going to kick off with Casa. Well, without doubt, the very, very best in Bitcoin security. Listen, have you got your Bitcoin security shit together? Have you been making good gains this year, but not taking your security as serious as you should? Come on. You don't want to fuck this up. You don't want to lose all your Bitcoin. You want to get your security together. And if you're like me, and you're a bit of a moron, and you're capable of making stupid mistakes, then, well, Castle is going to be the thing that saves you. But it can also protect you from in-person attacks, device failures, and so much more. And with Casa, they have a product for every Bitcoiner. So with Casa Gold, you get triple the security of a hardware wallet, and that's only $10 a month. And with Casa Platinum, you get their 305 multi-sig. And with Casa Diamond, which I am upgrading to very soon, you get their full service offering. That comes with a customized personal security review, inheritance planning, and of course, their best-in-class insecurity. There is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security and get total peace of mind. You can find out more at keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. Next up, we have sportsbet.io, which is the best place for online gaming because they accept Bitcoin. Not only do they accept Bitcoin, but they also give away Lamborghinis. Yes, I've told you this recently. They are going to be giving away a Lamborghini to a listener of my show. How cool is this? Now, we are trying to figure out the mechanics, but I think we're close. We're going to have a game on their website, which you need to play, and somebody is going to win a Lamborghini, which is very cool. And now with Sportsbet, you have every market you could possibly be interested in. They've got football, tennis, American sports, motorsports. They have even got esports. And for all new customers, they have a range of promotions available. So if you want to find out more, head over to sportsbet.io forward slash promotions, which is S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T dot I-O forward slash promotions. And then we're going to talk about Exodus Wallet. Now, as you know, the banks, the motherfucking banks, my bank closed my accounts. I've been with them for 25 years. 25 years as a loyal customer. They sent me a letter and said, Peter, we're going to close your accounts. You've got 65 days. So, good timing, because I've gradually been moving my company to more Bitcoin-based. Now, some of my sponsors pay me in Bitcoin. Some of the people who work with me, I pay them in Bitcoin. And my accountant keeps getting shirty with me. She's like, Pete... You really shit at your accounts, especially with your Bitcoin. I don't know who you're sending money to, who you're getting it from. You need to get that shit together. And so when Exodus reached out to me, I was like, this is the wallet I need. I can get myself a nice audit that I can give my accountant. So I started using it. And if you want to check it out, all you have to do is head over to exodus.com or search for Exodus in the Google or Apple app stores. 
Okay, so onto the show. Willie Wu is back, and I know you love the shows with Willie. He's here to update us on everything that is happening on chain and in the market. And since Willie and I spoke in February, so much has happened. Bitcoin pumped from 45k to an all-time high of 62k and then had a pretty decent sell-off back down to 50k. Now this show was recorded last Thursday when the price was at about 51k and Willie said we were probably at or very close to the bottom. Now just a few days later we're back over 55k so it looks like Willie's nailed the call as he always does. So this is a really interesting conversation. Willie explained why he thinks we dropped from 62k, how to spot tops and bottoms, and how this dip has been bought up more than ever before by what he calls the Rick Astleys, the people who are never going to let you down or deserve Bitcoin. Love it. Also, when we talk about spotting the end of a bull market, I grilled Willie on how to trade it, which came out with some interesting things. I was like always thinking, oh, you've got to time it beforehand. But as Willie says in the show and you're here, you need to trade it on the way down. Okay, I know you're going to love this, but you know you can reach out to me. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. I will get back to you. Lots of emails at the moment, but I will make time for you. Also, just another note, the MIT Bitcoin Expo is coming up this weekend, April the 3rd and 4th. It's completely free and online at mitbitcoinexpo.org. It's always a great conference with lots of great speakers, and I'm going to be there. I'm interviewing two brilliant developers from Blockstream, Andrew Polstra and Lisa Naigu, but there's plenty of other cool guests, Michael Saylor, Dan Hale, Jameson Lott, Jimmy Song, Peter Willie, and so much more. So go and check that out. Other notices is that Defiance is rebranding to Hijack, and we're taking a two-month break as we prep to relaunch that with its new producer. And also, if you want to check out Never Edit, my daily newsletter, head over to neveredit.com. All right, have a great week. I'll see you all soon. Hope you enjoy the show. And as I said, you can reach out to me. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Willie, mate, how are you? Are you doing well? Hey, Peter, doing great. Real busy. Just saying where you go to sleep next year, not this year. Yeah, this year. Like we make all our money this year and then we can go into a what a two year hibernation. Recharge, you know. Well, I don't know, man. Wow, that's if that's if history repeats itself and we don't have the super cycle, man. So Mm, anyway, listen. Always good to see you. Before we get into the monthly stuff, there's something I want to talk to you about first. I just want to talk about this quant. I can't even remember the name of the company. Oh. What are they called? Mr. Um, CryptoQuant. Um, yeah. So there's been two, yeah. two incidents, right? There was, was, there was the Gemini incident, but there was one previously with um, with the miner, with um, F2 Paul, right? Where they made a claim that they were dumping. And now they made a claim this time. Like, did they did, did they make a, uh, uh, like a bold claim or were they just sharing data that everyone was looking at? Look, um, I don't know. Like, I I was shown all this F2 pool dumping data um, by someone on Twitter and people asking questions. And I looked at it and I was like, that doesn't look like the data I'm using because, you know, I, I use Glassnode. CryptoQuant um, yep. is, is a different source, right? And what you have to understand with it is a lot of it comes down to um, how they receive that data, whether or not, you know, they're figuring out these are the wallets that the miners own. Um, if I have that straight. And so I didn't see any dumping from F2 pool using Glassnode, but um, there was a lot of dumping coming from um, from the data that CryptoQuant was um, releasing. And yeah, and I think uh, you were saying like um, F2 pool announced that they weren't selling, um, which meant yeah. like, that that data was erroneous. I don't know if it caused much of a um, market hoo-ha 
a lot of people talking about this was bearish. Um, I didn't think, it, even if it was true, um, I didn't think it was very uh, valid because miners don't have much uh, sell pressure next to the the buying of a full uh, bull market at full force. Um, it's ridiculous how much, how little um, miners have in terms of dumping power, unless you know you happen to be a miner called Satoshi or Hal Finney and. You know, it's this accumulated years of, you know, a decade of, um, you know, decades old mining at least, um, which they're still labelled as miners, which, you know, that, that, that accounts for a lot of inventory that's sitting on miner um, labelled accounts. Um, but, of course, a lot of those coins uh, are probably lost, a big chunk of the Masatoshis. Um, all the, you know, really active miners, if people, all these um the major pools that are in business are, are constantly selling, and that 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 sort of sell pressure is very very minimal compared to the might of you know even just grayscale itself will will buy more than all the miners uh, sell off um, per day. But but there's something else happened this month with Gemini, right? They were they they put out something saying mm. that a large amount of call, coins and have moved into Gemini, and the in- yes. implication was. A whale was moving coins and a big dump was coming, and then we saw a dump. Yeah, so um, that's what I actually thought we see twice because what happened was uh, uh, CryptoQuant have actually a Telegram group which they broadcast all um, sort of major flows in and out of the exchanges, and they broadcast to 28,300 uh, people. Um, that, and you can see that because it, it lights up with how many people have read it. Um, that $1 billion had flown into Gemini and they warned of one, um, essentially a billion dollars of, of uh, money was, was coming in, beware of dumping, which, you know, on the first account, it's quite ridiculous because Gemini doesn't have the liquidity to sell off a billion dollars. So it's immediately suspicious. Um, and, you know, I, I immediately um, asked Glassnode, CTO, to double check on that, and um, they said they said because they they didn't they didn't actually show that on their on their data, and um, so yeah, it it turned out to be just um, you know later it was found out to be BlockFi's wallet, um, and you know there was a lot of hoo ha. I think that they were saying, um, you know, they 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 turned it from whales dumping, which was the initial alert to, no, this is um, definitely a external party depositing into Gemini. And they made that the debate rather than that warning, um, which I thought was quite disingenuous, you know, trying to change the um, goalpost of the conversation to protect their reputation. The outcome was that it was an external deposit, meaning it was BlockFi depositing into Gemini as a custody provider. But that's certainly not the picture of a whale dumping. That's actually a bullish um, active, you know, incident that um, you know a lot more coins are being scooped up under custody by BlockFi and being put into um, Gemini's custody solution. So, uh, yeah, what then happened was you saw this immediate sell down from the minutes that alert went out. Three billion dollars of long contracts got sold down over the, um, the next few hours and then eventually 450 million contracts were liquidated 
So traders were wrecked to the value of almost yeah. half a billion dollars. And then um, that was the last top we had. That happened right at the very top of the market. So we we um, we had this wind down. It took a lot of the buying momentum out of the market. It scared a lot of people off. The the thing with it was, and I didn't call this out on the prior um, time it happened. It was the second time it happened. There was a similar event at the last uh, top uh, that was just over a month ago. I think I'd have to look at the chart. I think it was. Yeah. What was it? The forty? Yeah, there's a fifty-seven, fifty-eight thousand dollar top. It was after Tesla announced they were buying. There was this huge FOMO, and then um, there was another one billion dollar movement. I think it was even more, one to two billion dollar movement, uh, which was erroneous. Um, and uh, that did the similar amount of sell-off, roughly three billion again, and a half billion dollar liquidation. Mm-hmm. And then we saw on-chain everything went slightly bearish before it recovered. Um, so second time in a row, and yeah, it was it was an interesting drama. When uh, let me ask you something. So when when those liquidation events happen, and you know, a, bill, a billion or a couple of billion is wiped out of from traders, who's picking up those coins when they're being wiped out? Is that the exchange themselves? Well, the market, but like I don't understand this. All that. Yeah, so when they're forced, in, yeah, when they're forced into a like a stop loss kicks in or something. Yeah. So um, these contracts are constantly. These, you know, when you're in a long contract, someone else is taking the other side of the trade. You're not actually buying the underlying asset, which is Bitcoin. So when you actually buy a long contract, you're just buying a bet that um, the price okay. is going to go up, and then someone's taking the other side of it. Um, and so, you know, in, in the Bitcoin market, you know, you might ask, well, if everything's going hyper bullish, why would anyone take the other side of it? And the answer is that you may be like based on a US dollar benchmark as a fund, um, and you might want to generate maybe a high yield on your um, US dollar um, capital. So what you do is you buy the Bitcoin, and then you'd sell the short contract in the futures market. And um, because there's such a high premium with that, you get a high return. Um, You might get 20% per annum doing that. So um, all these traders are like, you know, in these long positions, they were selling down those long positions. So um, that does have an impact on the market. Um, Those contracts, when they're selling, they are, um, they kind of work like a real sell because um, when I sell down a contract, I, that that sell arbitrages across to um, spot markets. So it does look like actual real uh, downward sell pressure um, on the real, you know, underlying stop, spot markets. Right. Okay. So, but, but basically, based on this data that went out on this, was it, do you say, a Telegram group, the 28,000? Mm-hmm. Essentially, you can kind of point at that I mean, I guess you can't say it definitely is, but you know, it, it, it's highly likely. It's highly likely because it happened within 30, yeah. 30 to 60 seconds. Um, there was yeah. an immediate dip down, it, and then there was a second wave of sell down, and that was the real one. So, um, Some traders must, must have lost a lot of money. Yeah, a lot of traders got wrecked, half a billion dollars of liquidations. Yeah. And I don't know if some of them might have sold out at a profit because it had been – you know, the price had been ripping upwards for um, days and days. Uh, but, 
yeah, uh, there were definitely a lot of losers in that sell down, half a billion dollars worth. What, what can and should be done about this, though? Like, should they come with a warning label? Is their reputation at a point where people shouldn't trust them? Because strictly speaking, you know, if they have that much kind of influence, Nate, they themselves can short the market before they release certain bits of information. Yeah, it's, it's totally, um, I totally imagine is subject to, you know, I don't know if regulators, I don't know if regulators have an eye on that stuff. Certainly if you're uh, in a position of information um, asymmetry, like CEO of a company, um, you know, you can't you can't just broadcast stuff out. Um, I don't know because this is an emerging industry. I'd hate for it to be regulated. It's global. It's. I think it's just what what's transpired, which is the community um, coming together and calling out um, errors, uh, making people accountable. Uh, like we didn't see anyone calling the first. Um, the first issue out where, you know, at the 58,000 top a month ago, and we also had the same um, same issue. I mean, I didn't call it out. Um, I just wrote about it in, in my letter. Um, but on a second time, I, I did announce it. I didn't really name names too much. Uh, but the, you know, I, I, the crypto quant went into defense mode and tried to make it look like they were right and made a game out of it. And um, I thought it was prudent to actually just break it down and see, say exactly what happened. Um, you know, I mean, they're, they're, um, they're a new venture. They're, they're, um, I think they're doing relatively good work, um, and it, it adds to the ecosystem. I just think that we've got to keep each other honest, Um you know, I, I expect to be called out if I do bad work. Um, I expect last night to be called out. Um, everyone's got to be careful that they're checking what they're doing and being responsible. So, um, you know, it's along the lines of Masari, you know, they're, they're doing a lot of mm. um, data on the industry and it's sort of self-policing, let the industry police itself. All right, that's fair. Okay, so... Anyway, since we did last week, we did get up to 62. I thought we were going to go higher. I don't know why. I just probably, th- I probably think that every time it runs up. Uh, we're now seeing a little bit of pain right now. You're pretty good at knowing what the bottom is before we rip again. Where are you seeing the potential bottom in this? Like, do you, do you think we'll go below 50? Could we? Should we? I think uh, we're at the bottom now. Um, I mean, I was right. just checking earlier today and I was looking at um, the on-chain flows. like, And it does it tends to do a particular signature where it just zeroes out and then flows coming into the network start to accelerate away while um, the price is still dropping. Um, and we got that for the second day in the road today. Um, meanwhile, we had today the largest outflow like Bitcoin being scooped up off the exchanges and moved into cold storage, like the highest we've seen this year. Um, so wow. I'm pretty confident we're within, I think this is the bottom, if, if it's not within 48 hours of the bottom. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm stacking up my long positions right now, personally. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's... I think, I think we're, we're pretty close. And, you know, through this entire downward uh, move uh, you can see from the price action and the 
the way in which it's trading on Coinbase. Um, there's consistent buying, consistent buying, and consistent outflows going into cold storage. So, you know, that that's a signature to me is a, um, you know, maybe an unannounced institution that's, that's um, buying. Uh, maybe it's, it's, you know, a private hedge fund or many of them, but uh, there's certainly a lot of uh, buying going on from Coinbase, which tends to be U.S. institutions. And, oh, by the way, that those coins moving out, um, they're moving to uh, participants that have no history of um, selling. So either they are new, they're brand new wallets, and they're just in accumulation mode, or they're existing um, holders that are continually adding to their their um, you know their stack of coins that 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 they're not selling. So how does that work then, Willie? Because if you're seeing consistent inflows, consistent buying, yet the price is dropping, mm-hmm. what 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 is actually going on here? Is it like what what is at play here that's push, pushing the price down? If you know if we've got all these new people coming in and buying, well, the way I look at it is that <clears throat> there's there's a price floor on Bitcoin based on the amount of capital that's that's coming in and held by long term investors, and that price floor is not the price that you see on the chart. There's a price floor which is supported by these long-term guys, which, you know, I do a lot of modeling around to try and figure out what that is. And then we'll see the speculative, um, like, price that moves above the floor, and that's influenced by short-term participants, short-term um, traders that are buying the, the Bitcoins, or now we've got the futures exchanges, which do much higher volume. And they're buying these long contracts or short contracts, you know. And so that price that we actually see on the price chart can float way above the floor or even drop below it in massive scares like the COVID, the COVID um, event. So, um, you, you know, I have got a particular model that I use and it seems to work very, very accurately. And um, whenever we hit the tops, um, which we've done twice in this main bull run. Um, it's about 33% above the floor. Um, we got pretty close. We got to 20, 28% I think before that that um, you know alert false alert we got. I kind of expected mm-hmm. us to rip up to the 33 again. Um, it was definitely had the momentum, but then that took the momentum out, and so there's plenty of room to drop. Um, it's currently around the 15 to 18%, um, which is about right inside a bull in a bull market um, using that indicator. So um, yeah, there's there's certainly speculative, you know, yo-yo springy move, movement above the floor to go, especially if we're high above it. So, are you talking about the Rick Astley's here as well? Um, yeah, that, that, that's, that's the strong holder thing. You know, I was talking about the Rick Astley's, which um, what Glassnode do is they break um, all the wallets up that, that's visible. They bring them together into um, clusters. Each cluster is like what looks like one person. And then you can sort of look at their history and go, well, this cohort um, are very speculative. You see coins coming in and out of their wallets. Um and so they're not really holders. They're in it to, to trade speculatively. Then you have the middle ground where they're stronger holders. They buy more than they sell. And then you've got the, the Rick Astley's of this world, which are highly illiquid. They just buy and buy and um, very 
seldom do you see flows coming out of their wallets. And so one of the metrics that you can draw with that is to see how much um, of the coins flow into Rick Astley. Because um, that dude's not never going to sell or let you down, right? Um, <laughs> I fucking love that, man. <laughs> so that. whenever you see he's a, national, flows, <laughs> he's a national treasure here. You do realize that. <laughs> it was a, like 987 was, um, it was, it was a good song. Um, 2021, it's the national anthem of the universe. <laughs> We love him here. He's a he's a he's an absolute national treasure. <laughs> if you're listening, Rick Astley, we love you. <laughs> so, All right, man. Well, listen. Look. Yeah. So you're saying, as you said, well, you are saying. I know you're saying it's crazy. I saw it on your Twitter. You would be crazy to sell right now. You'd be crazy to sell right now. There's more buying the dip than ever seen before. A new record for 2021, and we know the person that's buying the dip is Rick Astley, and he's not going to let us down. <laughs> <laughs> he's got big diamond hands <laughs> all right man well well that but yeah but look also so much fucking bullish news right again yeah. i mean the the thing about uh it's pretty clear that elon musk is going pretty big with bitcoin did fidelity have applied for an etf but i mean everyone has we, we <laughs> i think there's more. 39 etfs in the pipeline right now it's a big right yeah i know i know <laughs> and then when they hit it's going to be that's where we might see one of those massive jumps We've also got Morgan Stanley opening up to their customers as well, to their to their wealthy customers. So there's a lot of good stuff happening, and fundamentally, it feels like a really strong place. Yeah, it feels really strong. Um, I, I love it that Tesla decided that they were going to stack sets by selling one car at a time. <laughs> I, know, I know. Somebody said they've turned their was it they've turned their um, production uh, factories into a. Uh, <laughs> uh, a, a way to, they they basically mining Bitcoin with uh, cars. <laughs> exactly, it's a new way of doing it. Um, I love it, and I love it how they built the um, payment system using their own node. You know, full crypto, no nothing goes through banks. It's just buy the car into their um, wallet. That's it's so fucking badass. They've done that. I was um, I was chatting to my producer the other morning. I was thinking, well, look, how can someone like someone like Tim Cook? And you know, other CEOs must be looking at that and going, hold on a second. Why are they doing this? And why are we not doing this? Like, yeah, there's really no excuse, right? Apple's a tech company. Um, yeah. It's a tech company. I guess I, I do remember the early days, they did not allow Bitcoin wallets on the iOS platform. I remember that. You remember that? Yeah. No, a bit yeah, slightly Bitcoin stuff. They got them there now, man. They got them there now. All right, so... I'm going to pull something I saw on your Twitter. Whales are becoming dolphin sharks. New buyers coming in. Cohort is still accumulating. They usually sell in the middle of the bull run. Still bullish. So do you, the question I really have is, structurally, is this just playing out the same as previous cycles? Or is there any, anything happening this time that's different where you're like, maybe something different is happening? Yeah, so it's completely different. I mean, everyone's talking about um, you know, the were templating onto 2013, 2017. And um, I think we have to be aware of the different, um, you know, the different participants we have. And the big one, of course, which we all know is institutions. Um, and so yeah. 
Um, we have to account for that. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. You know, institutions as a menagerie, you've got the Michael Saylors and the Teslas, which are corporate treasuries that are stacking. But then you've got, um, you know, the ruppers of this world. They're, um, they're really um, macro funds that are they're mm. using Bitcoin as part of their um, portfolio. And they're, they're going to take profits. And, you know, Ruffer took profits um, way back after they had, what was it, a, a 3X or a 5X? Something like that. Yeah, something like that. Um, they took out the original investment. Yeah, totally. They got pressure from their investors and um, they said, you shouldn't should you rebalance? So they rebalanced so they could hold the rest without, um, you know, a lot of backlash from their investors because it's free now. And we've just run into this uh, March um, period, end of quarter, and you can see the steep drop as we approach into it. So my guess, looking at that, is that we've got this end of quarter rebalancing, bearing in mind if they got in from the last quarter, they've done effectively a 6x, a 3x to a 6x, depending on where you entered. And so um, if you're a macro fan, you probably want to rebalance. You probably have directives to rebalance because you don't want to contain, um, yeah, you got to, you, well, their, their directives is to mini- mitigate risk. So, they will um, probably have to sell their winners to buy more losers. And, <laughs> um, and you see that with the whale um, balances, that, that is definitely dropping. But um, you see the the next tier down, the dolphins um, and the sharks, which is 100 to 1,000 bitcoins in their wallets. That's, uh, that's growing to take it up. And so if you sum the two together, you get this chart and it shows that this entire cohort, whether the whales becoming dolphins or sharks or whatever, um, and the guys underneath them, um, overall, there's an accumulation, and that that is still continued to climb. Anyone holding a 100 to 10,000 bitcoins, that cohort, um, they're, as a group, continuing to add to their bitcoin. Um, and typically, and I don't know if I can continue to template this, but in the last two bull cycles, um, this cohort started to sell down by the middle of the main bull run. Um, and they're not selling down yet. So if it holds true this time, get to see, um, then, yeah, we're not halfway yet, which kind of makes sense. Same first quarter of the, the, bull, the bull year. That we have one every four years is a bull year, so. Well, it's a it's a it's a bit longer than that though, really, when you think about it, because the bull run starts from the bottom essentially. So the bull run has really been going for about a year now. Like what for you? What signifies the bull? The bull. I think the bull run starts from whatever the bottom was. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's what that's what I I'd say as well. So if I want to break that down and be more uh, specific. We only really have a really hard one year of bear, um, bear market. And then we start mm-hmm. the bull phase. We typically have three years um, of bullishness to one year of bearishness. But then you got the, um, the first part of the bull run is the accumulation bottom, which can last, you know, six months, three months, even nine months. Um, then you have the um, early phase, which is, you know, it sort of pumps up, gets everyone excited. And then that, that sort of dies down a bit, and then there's a reaccumulation, and then you have the real bull main, or I call the main bull phase, which is um, and it's usually played out in one year, 
2017 was the last one. 2013 was the one before that. Um, 2021 is the main bull phase of the bull market. So that that final explosive bull run, the the one year out of the three years of bullishness, is is happening now. Like the crazy bullishness mm. where um, grandma's going to tell me to buy Bitcoin by the end of it. Well, but the thing is, there's something everyone wants to know with it. And this is where it gets tricky, whereas like, you know, if everyone is completely aware of the cycles, they're like, okay, so it means the cycle's going to end around December, January. What is the top? You know, you want to be the person who's essentially in this cycle who sold at 1100 in 13 and sold at 19 and a half. You want to be that person. And is that like, yeah, there's such a range of numbers. I've seen you've even, you, you've looking at the, uh, like the macro um cycle you've raised your top from 250 to 300 right mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah yeah it's it's gone up uh, i mean i i don't uh, i have a model and the model spits out this number and the model keeps moving so i'm in that nice place where i don't have to be right or wrong <laughs> just the model has to be right and it keeps changing trajectory upwards um so it was sort of ballparking two hundred to three hundred thousand. If you assume the end is in December, um, yep. And now it looks like three hundred minimum is the trajectory. So you know they can they can go further up or it can go down a bit if we have. It just depends on how the price action swings over the rest of this year. So yeah. How, how do you play it though, Willie? With yourself, do you? I mean, are you looking for that to think right? I'm gonna unload. A certain amount, a certain percentage of my position at that point, or do you scale up and scale down? Like, are you scaling out over a period of time? And maybe this is too much information because, like, you're happy to share data, but you know, you clearly want to front run everyone else. Like, but generally speaking, do you, or do you just <laughs> yeah, not care? And you're think, like me. I don't think I'm a big enough fish to really care about front running anyone. <laughs> okay, but, okay. um, but, uh, like, um, I'm navigating this quarter by quarter. You know, I'm aware that we may have a super cycle. Um, I have no strong opinions about it. It's possible. But, you know, um, there's a lot of leverage in the system, so we could crash down a lot as well, um, I think. Um, so I have, I, I'm not going to scale out like you see those dolphins and whales doing. Um, that's a pattern of, I think very wealthy participants that um, aren't trying to time the markets. They look very, um, you know, wise. You know, investors that that don't play too much of the timing game, um, and they they scale out. You can see that anyone with hundred bitcoins or above, they're tending to scale out six months before the top because they don't know exactly when it is. Um, I'm planning to start to look at that around. Within three months of the top, I'll start to have a closer look at it. You know, the the, the last few weeks to the top is just ridiculously, um, you know, fast. Like, what was it? Did we go? Do you remember, um, Peter? It was like, was it two weeks from 10000 to twenty thousand dollars, or like? Yeah, I mean, well, it was even more, wasn't it? Like two weeks from like six thousand to. Yeah, I get up here. Yeah, it was. Okay, it was. It was. I just remember it was just. So euphoric. Um, uh, here, okay, so we hit four, five, we peaked around four, six, four, eight, 
in August. Uh, and then we peaked on December. So September. So we went from four and a half to 20 in... Yeah, wow. So, so kind of like a 4X if you scale out too early. You miss out on the last 4X. Four, but, like, but strictly speaking, we went from... So we hit 7-4 October 30th. And then on my... Yeah, that's just... And then on November the 6th, we yeah, dropped exactly. down to below 6, yeah. So yeah. it was that November the 6th, we went from 6... Well, just under 6,000 to... I mean, I'm looking at the candles here, but we we went... Yeah, so it's six weeks. It's we just, essentially went yeah. from 6. I've got the chart up now, right? So now it looks like... It's less than that. It's 11th of December. The final month we went from five thousand, six thousand dollars, roughly six thousand, to twenty, right? And so, yeah, that's like we did a three x in one month, um, and then if you go for the quarter, we did a um, a five x, essentially a five x over that yeah. final quarter. So, like, I don't want to scale out too early, and we're not even close to that part of the market yet. So my my um, strategy last time was actually not to sell. I was not to sell um, in leading up to the top. It was more that I would wait for the top to start to signal, um, and then I would sell on the downward run. Um, if you're a you know if you're a whale and maybe a Michael Saylor size whale, like maybe you've got. Maybe not even a hundred thousand bitcoins, but maybe you've got just a paltry ten thousand bitcoins. You might have trouble selling in the downside of the market because the liquidity starts to dry dry up yeah. on the way down. But for ordinary people that um, have got under say a thousand bitcoins, <laughs> um, I think it's perfectly fine. There's sufficient liquidity in Bitcoin to exit the market on the way down. Um, you could even um, hedge your way out by selling the short instruments and then dumping the rest on spot markets and so you get, you know, the 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 futures markets are always going to be like something like five times to ten times more liquid than the spot market. So you can actually hedge out um, before you actually get this the sale on the underlying if you've got a lot of bitcoins. Um, but how do you do that when you say hedge out? Someone like me, I've only ever bought spots, right? Uh -huh. It's all I've ever done, and I've gone onto an exchange, I've bought it, and then I've removed it. Yeah, I've never so, really used so leverage. So essentially using the futures market for what it was designed for, the future, right? I'm going to, uh, if I've got, um, say, 100 Bitcoins to sell, um, maybe I would yep. just sell 100 um, short contracts um, on Bitcoin right now. You know, say Bitcoin's at $300,000, I'll sell 100 short contracts, um, 100, 100 Bitcoins, and that'll fill almost within minutes, okay? And so you've essentially locked in the price a sale price of 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 um, your your bitcoins for the future, and so um, if the price starts to drop away on you, it doesn't matter because, like, say say you're selling, it's not say it's dropped down to two hundred fifty thousand, um, you can still sell your real bitcoin on say Kraken or Gemini or Coinbase um, at two hundred fifty thousand, and great, you didn't sell three hundred thousand, you sold two hundred fifty. But your short contract, which you sold at three hundred, is now going to make up the difference for that fifty thousand dollars that um, you didn't quite get at the three hundred. 
right? So as the price drops away, you've already locked in the price. So whatever you sell it at, um, that, that short contract will make up the difference. So once you've sold the underlying, then you can exit that, that short contract and it'll compensate you for the difference. Well, who's the loser in that scenario though? Who's losing out? Because if that's a, you know, if that's a perfect trade, somebody must be losing out here. Oh, probably someone who's going DG and long at the top. <laughs> or it could be the opposite. It could be the exact opposite where um, someone is um, providing a sort of a market neutral. It depends on how the funding rates work. If, if there's a demand for um, short contracts, then someone's going to take the long contract um, on that. And um, what would they have to have if they have a long contract? But they'll, they'll be able to provide the other side because the funding compensates them. I believe. I when do you when you when are you creating those short contracts? Uh-huh. Where? Like, are you just when when you feel like you're at the top, when you feel like it's a bit toppy, you just do it at that point. Um, yeah, like, well, I'm constantly trading the futures because that's my um, that's how I, I, I trade the markets because um, they're so liquid. But so I'll just load on. Um, I'll load on like you know, like just just recently, I um, had. A house to sell, and I made the decision to sell the house. Um, I, I made the decision to sell the house in December, and I knew that Bitcoin was going to rip. And so I bought the hedging contract, which is a long position on the for the price, the sale price of the house. And when I finally sold the house, which was just a few weeks ago in in March, um, and the, the funds finally came through, you know, uh, I effectively locked in the price at you know um, whatever twenty three thousand dollars. And so, um, and ultimately, all I did was I added a few more long contracts into the, which was the sale price of the house into my normal trader account. And um, at the top, it'll be the similar. I'll just load on some short accounts, you know, some short contracts. And um, because it's very fluid, it's very fluid because um, I'm an active trader. um, But yeah, you, you, it's just this, essentially for the non-Americans listening to this, you open up an account at one of the um, futures exchanges, either um, Kraken, if I think they're spinning that up pretty soon because they're, they're regulated. Um, you have to be institutional if you want to do the CME. Um, but then you've got FTX, which is my favorite for it, um, Binance offer this, all the futures exchanges really. Next up, I talked to Willie Wu more about buying the dip. But before that, I have a message from my amazing show sponsors. Okay, we're going to kick off with BlockFi. My good friends at BlockFi, Zach and Flory, who've been crushing it for nearly three years now. Or is it over three years? I don't know, actually. I'll have to check with them. But they had a massive announcement before Christmas. It's coming soon. It is imminent. Their Bitcoin Rewards Visa card is launching very soon. Shit, I cannot wait for this. Stacking sats with every card purchase just feels like a very good way to add to your Bitcoin stack. And with the BlockFi card, you will earn a market-leading 1.5% rewards rate in Bitcoin on all card purchases. And they have opened up the waitlist to everyone. Even if you don't have a BlockFi account, you are eligible to join the list. You just need to head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. And next up is Ledger. I've been talking to you about Ledger for a while now, and if you didn't check it out, please do go and check out my wallet show that I recorded last week with Shinobi. Now, there are plenty of hardware wallets out there. The reason I like Ledger, because it's the first wallet I ever used. 
back in 2017 when I got back into Bitcoin. I bought myself a Ledger Nano S and I'm still using that device today. It served me well. I like Ledger for two basic reasons. Firstly, the device itself is so easy to use, but Ledger Live, the software which connects to your device, that itself is really easy to use, really safe and easy way for managing your Bitcoin. Also, if you have an Android phone, you can connect your Nano S to that phone to manage your Bitcoin on the go. So if you want to find out more, please do head over to ledger.com, which is L-E-D-G-E-R.com. And lastly today are my friends over at Kraken, my favorite place for buying and selling Bitcoin. And it's the only place I use right now for buying and selling Bitcoin. Now, Kraken is consistently rated the best and most secure crypto exchange. And as you know, security is super important to me. They also have the best in class in customer service. So if you've got an issue, whoever you are, wherever you are, they're going to get that shit fixed for you. And if you want to start trading Bitcoin, they have every tool you could possibly need. Whatever your level of experience, at Kraken.com, it could not be easier to sign up and start trading Bitcoin. They also have a beautiful mobile first app so you can buy Bitcoin on the go. And with their margin trading, futures and OTC desk, Kraken has every option covered for you. There is no better place to trade Bitcoin and you can find out more at Kraken.com or download the app. It's available for the iPhone and Android. Just search for Kraken Pro, which is K-R-A-K-E-N-P-R-O. I'm going to ask you some basic questions. I always get this now. Every time I do a show, people write to me and say, thank you for asking the questions that I want to ask. But there are some bits I'm just unsure about. Okay, yeah. bear in mind, I've only ever traded spot. But what I'm going to do, just out of interest, between now and the next show, I'm going to, I'm going to go somewhere and, and do my first ever uh, futures, create my first ever futures contract. Okay? Uh, okay. I'm going to do my first ever futures trade. But talk me through a very basic futures trade that I might make now. So. For example, if I believe right now today that we are round about, you know, near the bottom, and I think April we might go above 70K, what kind of contract would I be creating? Well, um, if you're, um, it, it, you know, I can tell when you, when you say, I think it's going to be above a particular price um, at a particular time, that tends to be more of an options contract where you win a lot okay. once you get above a price. And if it doesn't reach it, the contract's not, not worth anything. Um, what okay. we're doing is a futures contract, which is, um, it's, it's essentially, um, it's essentially it's essentially just tracks the price of Bitcoin, you know. Um, so if I think it's going to go up, um, I buy a long position, and the price of the contract will go up and track Bitcoin, you know. And the same with I bought, I sell it, so it's going to track Bitcoin. So um, what I essentially am going to do is um, I'm going to front some collateral. So I might put you know one Bitcoin in my in my trade account. Mm-hmm. And then um, I can buy one Bitcoin of long contracts. You know? So it's effectively mm-hmm. synthetic Bitcoin. Um, and I can oh, buy like, one is it Bitcoin. like a CFD? It kind of. It's kind of like that. Um, it's just it just works. Um, the contract's slightly um, slightly designed different. Um, and I'm not an expert at CFD, so don't ask me to dig into that. Mm-hmm. But um, the the futures thing is just I'm buying a contract, and it will track the price of Bitcoin. Um, and one of the things that we have in the Bitcoin world is the invention of the perpetual swap contract. And that's just fanciness for a futures contract that doesn't expire. Um, so that's what most people trade in Bitcoin. So it actually just tracks Bitcoin. 
um, very closely, and then you pay a funding rate to be in that position. Um, or like if everyone's going long, then it's going to be expensive for you to stay in that long position. Um, but if you want to go short while everyone's going long, you actually get paid funding by the, the other people on the other side of that contract. So it's demand and supply based for the um, the cost of being in that contract. Um, but, yeah, once you're in that contract, you're in the contract. You simply bought a, a kind of a synthetic Bitcoin and um, and it's backed by your collateral, um, just like a block filer, <laughs> actually. So if it swings against you to a point that you're so far underwater, um, it's essentially like the bank foreclosing on your house. Um, you will get liquidated. If you're if you bought Bitcoin at a particular price and your lost position from when you entered um, is greater than your collateral, then um, your collateral will be sold down to pay off those losses, and you're out of the trade. Um, right. So, so the the risk on the futures is that it goes in the wrong direction, and you're forced out of it. So, on a future, yeah, so like so, for example, so if I go long and suddenly we start crashing down. Do I have what like a margin call? Yeah, it's exactly that. Liquidation is a margin call. So yeah, and so that's the difference. If you're buying Bitcoin hodling, you cannot ever get liquidated, right? You know, Bitcoin price will drop down, but you won't. No one can take those bitcoins off you. You know, they're just worth a little less. But um, when you buy that synthetic futures contract, um, and you're buying, you know, you've got one bitcoin and you want to buy two, but you can't afford it. So you put front your one Bitcoin as collateral, and then you buy an extra Bitcoin as a synthetic Bitcoin, the futures contract, the long contract. And um, if that price um, drops to, say, half, because, you know, one-to-one drops to half, you've effectively lost the one Bitcoin of collateral. And so... Okay, that makes sense. So, you know, and then, you know, we would have heard that, you know, in Bitcoin, you can have a 100x leverage. So you could buy 100 Bitcoins from your one Bitcoin collateral. So that means that if you're, the price of Bitcoin drops by 1%, you're liquidated. But if it right. yeah, yeah. if it goes up by 1%, you've, you're, you've done pretty well. You've made a Bitcoin. Um, so um, people like to do this sort of um, directional trade where, you know, I can with a 100x long position. I can, I, if it drops against me, if it drops below one percent, I'm out of the trade. But if it goes up, say, and maybe goes up ten um, percent, you know, it's like a casino with a lot of payoff. So a lot of people put it in small, small amounts and and do these kind of directional bets that look more like um, you know a jackpot coming out of a casino. Um, and that's very popular. <laughs> um, Can you sit there like with your finger finger on the trigger and when it suddenly looks like it's, it suddenly just starts to shoot up, you quickly do it? Yeah, you could. You know when you it's very obvious, it's firing up. You could you could try that, yeah. Um, people get quite tricky with the trades, wait for the setup, look like it's just about to break, and then that's where you enter, you set your sort of liquidation level at a point where um, it's below what, the supporting price will happen where what, what it looks like on the chart so um you know that's the typical trade um you know I, I don't do that kind of trading um i'm a i'm a macro trader i think you probably would be too mm-hmm. i look for really good setups where um 
which is all of 2021. <laughs> and I go very low leverage and I have very good models around um, how low the price can go before we hit that price floor. Um, I also know that in COVID, we had demonstrated that we could drop maybe 50 to 60% um, below um, the current price. So like, that generally means that I'm at 1x leverage maximum, maybe 0.8 leverage. That that means I'll survive a black swan event. Um, right, okay, okay. Because so, I tell you what I did, I think I mentioned it last month to you. I um I opened up an account with plus 500, and I, I thought, because historically I'm not a trader, and I'm not going to trade. I'd like, rather stack sats, I'm not losing some of my Bitcoin, but I thought, hmm, maybe there's just some very obvious trades I should be making. So I thought, I, I chucked in like, it's about, you know, Two thousand pounds, like I don't know, two and a half thousand, three thousand dollars, and I've one simple trade that I make. It's really simple. When there's a big dip, like there is now, mm-hmm. I buy, mm-hmm. and I've bought, I've done that done that three times in since the start of the year, and I've doubled my money. And all I've done is like you know run it, let, let see that big dip, let it go just over the previous high, you know, ten percent over the previous high, sold, and then waited for the next one, and I've doubled my money. I thought you didn't trade. <laughs> well, I did that because I was like, like what? Where I'm, where I would make the mistake is that if I become a trader, I will feel like I have to constantly make trades, and that's not me. I don't have the time. I've got no interest in that. But every time there's a twenty-five percent ish dip in a bull run, it just seems to be crazy not to try that. Mm-hmm. So I just thought I'm going to spend four years only doing very, very obvious trades, right? And that's really obvious to me. And look, it's play money as well. It's a couple of grand. It's nothing. Mm-hmm. Right? But I just wanted to see. It, it worked. Yeah, well, you've outperformed like 90% of the of traders out there, um, probably 95% within the futures market of Bitcoin. Well, um, yeah, because I, I think these people want to try and trade all the time. They feel like they've constantly got to make a trade. And the problem I'm doing that with Bitcoin is it's just, you've just got no fucking idea where it's going. But I, what I do feel is I have a good gut, like when it's done a t- good 25% drop. And I just and I and you know when it feels like that's bottomed at that, and I put in a, a stop loss where it, it, uh, something like thirty, I think it's about thirty-seven percent because I just don't think it will hit that, right? And uh, yeah, and it's worked for me. That's really prudent, you know. Like it's taken me a long, long time. I've been trading um, six years now, trading crypto for six years, I should say. Um, and it's taken me a long, long time to figure out how to trade um, how to trade crypto my way. Because everyone was telling me risk management, risk management, risk management, which means type stop losses. Um, and um, I, you know, the crypto is a weird market, particularly when BitMix was very prominent. Like everyone would hunt your your stop losses and take you out of the trade. I It took me a long time to figure out that that system's work, that system only really is designed for um, this this scenario where you're openly admitting you don't know which direction the trade's going in. You know, the price go up or down. If it goes down, I mitigate my loss. If it goes up, I win, I capture it. And you can you, you just keep doing that. You l- can lose more trades than you win, but your winners take the money home. But that that is really these very small um, time cycle trades um, in the hourly um, sort of you know minutes, hours within a day. Um, even a few days. And then I realized, like, actually, we've got this open ledger, right? Um, we've got all these on-chain analytics, and we can literally see the dem- demand and supply 
on the network and it's it's very reliable like um like generally 90% of the time um the the call is correct 10% of the time it's wrong and when it swings it's slow in reacting you can you get you know you you see that it's swinging the other way and the structure changes so if you're if the if the forecast can be done with 90% reliability um why would i put in stops to um be kicked out of the trade uh, which was you know cuz if you're doing this trade that's over weeks and weeks and weeks and you're on the screen all the time so um mm. you know i developed a system similar actually you're you're similar cuz you got a very wide stop i don't use stops at all um because this is a very um different way of trading um and it's yeah. Very low leverage. It's long only because we're in a bull market, and um, then I, I take the profit once the structure starts to, you know, not get so bullish, and we consolidate, and then I will do it again. Um, so not many yeah. trades, and it's, it's it's a different way. Of well, I think it's six for me. I estimate it would be about six for me this year. Let me go and have a look at my closed positions. Open closed positions. So here we are. I've done one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I've done eleven and one, two, three, four, five, seven are in profit. And the only reason, like, so three of them were bad that went negative. But the only reason is they, they uh, it wasn't a stop loss here. What happens is they have a, a expiration on the these CFDs. So you open it and it only opens for it stays open for a week and then they close it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not a great place for trading. I could probably find better places, but the point being is it's consistently worked. And I'm just like, I'm going to do this all year, and then I'm just going to forget about it. I don't know if I would do the same next year. So if we went into a bear market, I don't know if I would short the tops because I feel like it's a it's a different game trying to do the reverse. Like you've got unlimited upside, right? But on the on the shorts, you haven't. So yeah, I'm exactly. I'm kind of like I'm not sure. If I'm gonna do that, yeah, I, I think um, I think that like my view of what to do with the tops is to take it all out. Uh, well, not all out, but to take a certain amount out into US dollar um, benchmark and put that into some sort of yielding um, thing within crypto. Um, whether or not it will be DeFi or whether or not it will be just um, a basket of um, high-yielding kind of arbitrage funds. You know, they, they tend to do well on the downside. Um, they can produce higher yields than it would be in a bank. And I kind of trust crypto more these days than than having money in a bank. So, um, do tell me about it. Yeah, I mean, you and I both have had um, frustrations with banking, and I just don't feel mm-hmm. like I ever want to be part of that. Um, and that system again um, for are you going Bitcoin, you going Bitcoin Maxi? Are you going to be your own bank? Yeah, well, you know, like sure, I pay with credit card and this and that, but like I mean, for wealth management, um, I I'm over owning houses. <laughs> I'm over um, having money sitting in banks and doing whatever. You know, let's just as a wealth vehicle. I think I want to hold it all in crypto. We've got. You know, we've got really good stuff, right? We've got um, Bitcoin. We've got um, all manner of high-yield um, avenues of, like, you could 
chuck it into DeFi. That's not a maxi thing to say. You can chuck it in DeFi and yield on USDC. Um, I can now deploy... You're trying to sell me that stuff. No, I'm not trying to sell you that. I don't think I know. No, no, no. Other people. Other people are. That's my problem is I just don't understand it. Like my my problem with DeFi isn't fun. Like I don't have a fundamental objection to it long term. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm not such a maxi. I'm like it's all shit. It's all gonna. I don't like. I don't care if Ethereum can't scale over the next five to ten years. Like if it can't, it can't. But but at the moment, it it works. Right? You can use it. Um, and if I felt like I could put some dollars in there and yield. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to doing that. Like, I don't have that kind of fundamental maxi issue. My issue is I don't know enough about it to trust it. I've just seen too many things of rug pulls and exits and, yeah, and I'm just like, I I just don't have the time to learn it. Like, learning Bitcoin alone is enough. Yeah, I'm with you with that. Um, I, I don't actually... You know, I don't. I haven't had enough time to go deep down with it, but I know that I don't trust um, what's out there right now. There's been enough smart contract bugs and, um, mm. like, you know, hacks on those contracts. Um, so I feel like I need to know deeply what I'm putting it into, and I still don't even trust anything written on the Ethereum ecosystem. Um, <laughs> but I think things might change um, by fourth quarter, and you know, there's a lot of different. Um, a lot of different offerings, and it's not. When we say DeFi, it's. I mean, I can look at the whole of the crypto industry as DeFi, right? Um, and so there's a lot of developments. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll revisit when I really need to to um, <laughs> maybe use some of that stuff next year while we need to be on um, USD benchmark um, if we have a bear market. Yeah, I say like one of the other things I don't understand where the yield's coming from. Like somebody was saying to me today on Twitter. You'll use BlockFi for your two percent interest, but you won't put it on Vespa, whereby you can wrap your Bitcoin and earn thirty percent. I'm like, firstly, wrapping my Bitcoin scares the shit out of me because I just don't understand it, and like, I also don't know where's that thirty percent yield coming from. It just, I don't understand it. It just is that coming? Is that yield coming from other traders who are borrowing to trade at leverage? Is that where it's coming from? I just don't know. I think it's. I think it's really different. Uh, I, I mean, I'm no expert, but I think a lot of that yield is coming from. Um, well, there's many categories. On the the bottom of the rung is um, the the Ponzi yield, where you you mint new coins and you're getting yield, and these tokens are being printed, and they're incentivizing you to provide liquidity um, by locking your coins up to, you know, provide liquidity into these exchanges like um, Uniswap. Which so that, that this new coin being minted in existence can actually trade, but then you've got other things like more interesting things like leverage trading on DeFi networks. So um, I think that I haven't, haven't looked into it too deeply, but it just kind of makes sense, right? You've got to be incentivized to provide um, the other side of the trade. Maybe if it's more of a, a margin trading system where you're loaning your bitcoins out or your whatever coins out for other people to borrow it and, and trade on leverage, um, you'll be paid a return, right? Um, mm. So that's more legit as long as um, those contracts are solid and there's enough liquidity. Um, I think, yeah, but like that that's the kind of stuff I like. Because um, mm. who wouldn't want to um, be able to say, for example, I would just love to know, oh, we're in a bull market. Uh, let me put, instead of this tiny amount, 
you know, 5, 10, 15, 20% of my portfolio into a trade account and leverage that to try and get more gains in the bull market, I'd love to be able to put like 30 to 50% of my whole portfolio into a DEX, which is private key secured. Um, you know, the, the exchange can't get um, shut down or hacked or just sheer exit scam run away with my money. Um, it's now on a decentralized network that I hold those funds via private key. Um, we've probably got a long way to go to get there because, you know, all mm. sorts of, um, you know, centralized parties uh, exist in these networks still. Um, and the security mm-hmm. of it looks is probably early days. But it makes sense. Yeah, it is. Well, listen, two quick things before we finish. Just finally on that futures thing. So that idea you take out a short contract at the top, you've kind of you've kind of got to be at the top, right? Because if you take out that futures short contract uh, and you think it's the top, you know, so there's a different say say it was 2017. If you thought the top was in and you took that contract out at 8,000, somebody go to 20,000, you're in problems. So you, you've got to know it's on the way down. Like, but how do you know? I mean, is it that obvious? Well, no, not really. That because that was a um, that was that was the hedging out um, way where you'd only do this if you're like a whale, you know, thousands of bitcoins right. and the liquidity in the market's not enough because you've actually got the underlying bitcoin. So if it's ripping, it's fine. It's equivalent of selling your bitcoins lower down and scaling out. Um, so it, that that was that's more just hedging out. Um, but, you know, on that point, uh, I think a lot of people focus on too much on selling out before the top, um, thinking the top is Armageddon. Um, but actually, there's a lot of um, value in scaling out after you've got full confirmation of the move is now bearish. Right, okay. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I, I exited the near the top. Um, of 2018, 2017, it topped. In 2018, you remember it, it hovered quite high for a while. And by high, I mean, you know, 15 to 20, yeah. 14 to 20, something like that. That's still really high when you think the bottom is, you know, it went, went to 3 2. Right. Okay. And I think I get like, so, I, so what you're saying, it really is yeah. like on the way up, you don't know where the top is. So you might scale out six, seven, and suddenly it rips up to 20. But once it's ripped to 20 and dropped, you kind of know. So you can start scaling out at maybe 14, 15. Like, you know, you don't have to catch the top. But Right. See, yeah, exactly. You, your, your level of confidence starts to um, rise. And um, it's much better to, to move your large capital once you're very confident. And that happens after the top. Um, no one knows it's the top until afterwards, really. Um, anyone else that says so is probably lying or drunk their own Kool-Aid. Mm. Um, so, you know, now after seeing a 2017 top before the data stream coming in on hindsight, I can go, I think I can have high probability to pick the top rough timing. But still, um, there was a lot of false starts in, in 2017 tops. A lot of people thought 10,000 was the, was the end of the line, and we doubled in like one week. So hmm. um, I, I actually, what I did was I had a plan. I, I planned that when the top happens, 
typically what a top does is it does a dead cat bounce and it drops down very sharply and then it bounces up towards you know around 80 percent of its prior top and um the thing is the key is to know once the top happens you want to know is this whipsaw a consolidation and just another sort of settling down before it does the next step move up um and by then um you know i had nvt which yeah. was the one of the first on-chain signaling and that just dropped like a rock and you could see that investors were not coming in there was no churn between investors and actually it was well overvalued to the amount of activity that was happening between investors right. and that was like near 100% reliable that this was the top and so you know that was you know I sold out not at the top but you know afterwards I scaled out and that was high reliability yeah yeah. Well, I tell you what. I tell you what you could do is when you when you've made that decision, you can quickly drop me a text, and then we'll let everyone know twenty four hours later. <laughs> <laughs> sure, you must be a super whale to be able to need that front running. <laughs> no, I'm not a super whale. Um, no, I wish I could have. I, I'll tell you if I if I see a top, and I'll tell everyone it's a top. It'll most likely go up even higher. Yeah. <laughs> I've noticed that a lot lately. That's typical. Man. That's typical. <laughs> Uh, the last thing is probably a quick thing. So we had this uh, tweet from Elon Musk that came out. So things were looking a little bit bearish, like a little bit crap. We had this tweet from Elon Musk about accepting Bitcoin. We suddenly ran up and came back down. I've noticed that a couple of times. Is that because the actual the actual real demand isn't changing in that moment? It's just an instant reaction from tr- traders who have actually got liquid liquid Bitcoin. There, it doesn't. You're yeah, not actually yeah, seeing. Yeah. A mac- because it takes time to get money on exchange, and so like, it's what's going on there? Yeah, it's only the traders that can react quickly. Yeah. You know, re- reacted within seconds, just like the um, you know, the whale alert that was false it reacted within seconds. Right. So it's certainly not investors buying in within seconds. It's it's absolute front running by um, the hyenas that are traders. <laughs> <laughs> um, they um, will jump on and they'll buy up those long contracts and pay the funding for it and run the price speculatively much higher in anticipation of the investors to going, well, I'm going to buy this. And they're buying at a much higher price and then they're going to, you know, they'll, they'll sell. They'll sell their contracts. Um, so that's what happened. Um, it, it got speculatively run up and then um, – and then they sold out, and then it was interesting. It uh, you know it dumped very hard, mm-hmm. and it was weird. It was really weird because as as it was being bought up, it was um, Asia that was buying, um, and it was Coinbase that was um, selling. Um, so that's unusual. Mm. Um, so because. Throughout this entire um, first quarter, we've seen this really unusual activity where um, Asia has typically been a buyer and the US a seller, but um, lately, or the West, I should say, that includes Europe, um, lately um, the West has been buying, no doubt from the institutions, but just constant selling by Asia. And in the Elon pump, um, it was the opposite. Asia was speculating on it. Interesting. Well, listen, I'm learning loads from you, Willie. Honestly, I'm learning loads and I'm feeling a little bit more confident just doing some basic trades. Just, And I'm going to keep doing it this year and 
and I'll keep tracking my progress. Anyone listening, I will say, look, just go and subscribe to Willie's email. It's like $50 a month. Uh, I had to actually resubscribe this month because my banking difficulties, my, I had to switch my card over. But it's like 50 bucks a month. It's the best 50 bucks you will spend, anything to do with Bitcoin. You'll learn so much for it. Like, I will shield the shit out of Willie's email. So go sign up. That's in the <laughs> show notes. Tell them where it is, oh, Willie. Where actually is it? Uh, you can go to my Twitter profile, Woonomic. Um, if it's not been banned by Twitter, it's, it's up. And, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. We didn't even um, talk and, about that, Dave. Uh, there's a link to it. We didn't talk about that. You're like your t- yours and Plan B's temporary ban. Yeah. Um, I think um, old Jack over there decided to finally clean up the the crypto scamming. Um, so they went on high alert, and I think they set up a whole bunch of um, algorithms to filter out scammers. And of course, all the, <laughs> turns out I'm a scammer. So I was Plan B, and so were um, you know a number. I think there were six high profile mm. um, crypto accounts that were um, shut down very quickly, and. Um, you know, I got an apology email from Twitter saying um, we accidentally shut you down because of this new software that plagued you as, as um, um, you know, as being a scam essentially. And I think what was happening was that um, people were reporting me by accident because um, there were so many woonomic scammers. And <laughs> got the wrong one. So anyway, well, it's, it's not working. Yeah, they got the wrong one. I'm like I can't put a tweet out. I put a tweet out, and then my notifications are wrecked. It's just hundreds. Oh, it's doing my head. And we're getting these weird ones now. Oh, I saw that. I'm getting these weird ones. Well, two, but these ones where like they're all sending. It's almost like they've plugged in a book, and they're all sending a paragraph from a book. <laughs> so that's really annoying. And then the last couple of days has been this Binance video that people are trying to get you to go do. It's just, and I block every single one. Um, and yeah. it just carries on. It's just like, oh. Yeah, you, it's, just a, it's a tidal wave. You just, it's like, um, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just going to waste your time trying to block all of that. Fuck off um, on Twitter. So. All right, Willie, well, listen, love this. Yeah. Well, it's been enough. Yeah, love this. Great to catch up. Yeah. We will speak again in a month. Hopefully, Bitcoin will be higher. Uh, are you going to Miami? Miami. No, I'm not going to Miami. What's on in Miami? In June, we've got uh, Bitcoin 2021. Oh, yeah. No, I can't go. Oh. I've got family um, commitments over here, as you know. I know um, yeah. All right, man. That's fair. So, yeah. Well. Um, but uh, maybe maybe of this year, I'll, I'll get moving again and see some of the Bitcoin world in person. Yes, man. I look forward to that. Mm. All right. Have a good month, Willie. And I will, yeah, I'll see you at the end of April. Okay, have a good one. How good is Willie? Come on, how good is Willie? He is amazing. He nails it every time. I do love making these shows with him. Also, who are you? Are you a Rick Astley? Are you buying the dip? You're never going to let us down? You're never going to desert Bitcoin? I hope so. I love this show. Every time I talk to Willie, I learn so much more about the markets and things definitely begin to click in place. It is also super bullish to hear that Willie's model's price target has now gone up from 200 to 300k to 300k plus. This year could get pretty crazy. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this one. If you've got any questions or feedback, you can just reach out to me. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com, or you can jump into my Telegram channel. Plenty of people talking Bitcoin there. Ben Prentice is in there answering your questions. If you want to support the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. Hopefully you think it deserves five stars. 
Also, as I said, Defiance is going to be taking a two-month break soon. We're relaunching as Hijack. We're working on a new show format. Lots of cool things happening there. Keep an eye out for that. And also, sign up to my newsletter. That's at neveredit.com. Have a great rest of your week. Love you all, and I'll see you all soon.